Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is Peabody Award-winning director Abby Ginsberg, and we're going to be talking about her brand new documentary entitled Barbara Lee, Speaking Truth to Power. Welcome to the show, Abby. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my my honor, actually. You have had such an illustrious career doing amazing documentaries for years and years, All of, and it tends to most of the things that you've done have been more so about social injustice. Is that is that a correct assessment? Yes, more or less. I mean, I what I do is I do. Let me sort of reframe it a little bit. Okay. I tend to do documentaries about people that are not well known, but who who I believe, if they were better known, would inspire others in the same way that they have inspired me. So I don't make movies about people like Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela, but to the extent that some of my characters have had interactions with them, then they become kind of background figures and these unknown, lesser known people, you know, sort of get center stage in my films. But, you know, almost every film I've had has been about either racial justice, social justice, you know, some story about somebody being the first or one of the first few say, African-Americans on the bench or the first Latino opponent to the California Supreme Court or Albie Sachs, one of the first judges on the Constitutional Court of South Africa. So I'm interested in telling stories of lesser-known people or people who I think need a bigger spotlight. And then just through the normal course of sort of kind of distributing a documentary, their stories get out to a broader audience. And similarly with Barbara Lee. I felt like her story really needed to be better known outside of her district and outside of her constituents. And so that led me to kind of pitch her the idea that, you know, please let me do a film about you. It took her a long time to say yes. Did it really? Why? She, I mean, what she would say if she was sitting here is, I'm a private person. You know, I have enough cameras in my face. I really, you know, I feel like my job is to work on Congress and legislation and with my constituents. And what do I need some camera crew following me around for? And she would also say that I was extremely persistent and a bit patient, which I was. And eventually she just, I wore her down. Perseverance wore her down, eventually agreed to do it. And I think, you know, today would say she's very grateful that she did because it has done exactly what I thought it would, which is introduce her to a much wider audience. You know, people are not that interested in somebody else's congressperson. But when they hear Barbara Lee's story, they're like, well, she's interesting. Right. So I think that's made a difference in terms of the receptivity of the public to the film. I live in California and I lived, um, I just moved to Santa Barbara, but I was living in. In Carmel, close to Oakland, where her constituency is, and I knew of her, but I didn't know about her. So I agree with you. It was a wonderful eye-opening movie. It really is a, an eye-opening movie, and discovering more about who she really is. Because a lot of people don't follow the politics. You're right. If it's not their congressman or woman, they're not following it. And let me say, so one of the things that sort of proves that to me, because you know, we tell the story of her lone no vote right around 9-11 in the film. Well, people kind of know in the back of their minds that there was one lone right. vote. They don't know who the person was, why the person voted that way, what was motivating her, and how correct she was. Right. So in the run-up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, Barbara got a lot of attention because people had to figure out who was that person and then interviewed her. And I feel like in a way the film was ahead of its time mm-hmm. to call out what an important and kind of scary move it was 
on her part. She did not know she was going to be the only no vote. She just knew she had to vote her conscience. She's never apologized for that vote and, in fact, stands by it even more intensely than she would have maybe even at the time. But there were a lot of negative repercussions. And so understanding, you know, what it meant to be the lone no vote against giving Bush unlimited military authority, it was huge in her life. And I think, you know, it's inspired. I mean, part of what people in the film say is that it was inspiring to them, to AOC or to Ayanna Presley, to know that sometimes you just have to vote your conscience and come what may. You know, you've got to just stand, as they say, stand up there on the street corner and wait for other people to finally join you, which is exactly what happened with Barbara. So over time, the House has in fact voted, and the Senate hasn't yet, but it may one day, to repeal the AUMF, which gave presidents this unlimited military authority. So I feel like, you know, history has kind of proved Barbara right on this one. Oh, 100%. And you know what was so surprising? First of all, that she was the only vote, the only no vote, but that so many other people that thought about it afterwards kind of wished that they had voted with her and and regretted that they didn't. I thought that was interesting that you were able to find... Let me say, so did I. Okay. I was interested that they were willing to admit it. Yes. We're talking John Lewis, we're talking Jim Clyburn, we're talking former Representative Lynn Woolsey, who's very progressive. I mean, these are progressives in Congress. Right, right. It, it, I, I think the fact that they didn't vote with her reflects just how intense that post 9-11 moment was, which was Barbara's whole point. We shouldn't be voting on this right now. We should be grieving. We should be, you know, just like a let it watch over us and let us see where we end up. But don't come to us two days after 9-11 and say, give up Congress's war making authority. You know, she was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, so I agree with you. I thought it was very interesting that these other Congress people were all willing to, you know, kind of reflect back and say, boy, I wish I'd had the strength of character she did. Right. Or that I'd seen the world as clearly as she saw it at that moment. She she understood in a way that almost nobody else did that this was, uh, that this was the wrong moment to come and have that debate in Congress. And, you know, again, history proved her right, but it was, you know, after we've had 40-plus incursions, interventions, and military actions across the globe, that's a little late. I know. I was shocked when I saw that. That statistic was just surprising to me. I had no idea no. that it had been used that much. And that was just, that blew me away, too. Um, you know, I, I, you know, here's a woman that, I just love it when people just stand up for their convictions, just like John Lewis. You know, I had Don Porter on my show um, for, with her documentary, Good Trouble, about John Lewis. And it was she was on about a month or so before John Lewis died, actually. And, you know, here's another person who just, you know, come what may. I mean, putting his life on the line in danger... Uh, to for his beliefs, and she has done the same thing. I was shocked to, also by your documentary that she had death threats that people were you know talk a little bit about that because that was also surprising to me too that and there, were, and there were thousands of them. We only show a handful. you know there are boxes of you know emails that were printed out and hate notes that she got and so on and pe- I mean basically she says it in the film. she says, you know, if, if, if people were so mad at me for voting my conscience, she said, people don't understand democracy. Right. We have a right to dissent, and I needed to dissent against the 60-word AUMF that I thought was badly drafted and 
inappropriate and should not have taken Congress's war-making authority away from us. And people thought she was unpatriotic, a traitor, you know, deserving of death threats, etc. And and she personally, literally, could not leave Washington, D.C. for many weeks after this. Her son describes, you know, the FBI shutting off his street so that she could come finally visit him. They didn't want to let her come back to the welcome home rally that her local constituents had put together, you know, three months later. And they have, she eventually said, I'm just going. you got to let me go. And she did come. Um, but it's, you know, you begin to see, And then there were people who apologized to her. There was, she tells a story, it's not in the film, of a man who brought his child to a campaign rally she was doing for somebody else in North Carolina. And he came up to her and he said, I was one of those people who wrote you a death threat, some negative thing. And he said, I need to apologize. You know, that was not appropriate. So she said, you know, it's at moments like that that it's almost worth going through what you go through to have somebody realize that that was an inappropriate response. So, yeah, people, and and I have to say, Barbara is very security conscious to this day based on that experience, and we're talking 20 years later. Now, January 6th, up the ante on, you know, I mean, because there's been evidence that there were, you know, certain members of Congress were going to be targeted, and they were looking for people, so... So issues of security, not just for Barbara, but for many people in the House, remains kind of a top priority. Right, right. And we should just know that, that now, you know, it's not just people are kind of serving in Congress, et cetera, et cetera. It's like they're doing it at what feels like a lot of personal risk to themselves. And so my levels of gratitude go up even more that people are willing to serve during this very conflicted time. I know. It's, it's, it is it's surprising. Um, when you do hear from a lot of people, you know, senators and congressmen and women. And, and all you have to do is look at the numbers. I mean, again, Barbara is really admirable all around her. People who have served even less time in Congress than she is. She's she's going under like 22nd year, 24th year. Wow. So, and she's going to run again and be hopefully reelected again and, you know, keep going. But the number of people that are deciding, no, I'm not running, either I'm right. not retiring or I got to go get another job or whatever. It, you know, it's a lot of them. And so the fact that Barbara still feels like, look, this is what I'm good at doing. I have, you know, I have this long history and there are still fights that have to be fought in Congress on issues like the childhood tax credit and build back better and abortion rights. I mean, all the issues that we're just seeing, you know, being bandied about in Congress. I mean, Barbara is you know, one of the leaders of trying to keep, you know, government doing what it's supposed to do over time. And it's, you know, it's a tough road and it's a hard job and it's an uphill climb. So my hat is off to her and her colleagues who are just slogging through this. I agree. I agree. And and it's got to be, I mean, it's, I, I, you, we've both been around long enough to know that I've never seen anything like this. We've seen division, but nothing like this ever. Um, and the jobs for all of them are becoming more and more difficult to do and to, to follow your conscience. You know, I mean, a lot of the people just citing. I would just say Barbara's digging in. Barbara will continue to follow her conscience. Good. You know, I'm not worried about that either, but we need more. <laughs> pressure to really give up her conscience and she wouldn't do it. I mean, right. 
at the point where she couldn't follow her conscience, she's out of the job. Right. So that's there's no question. And that's that also goes to why I wanted to make this film, is that I wanted to do kind of a deeper dive into, you know, what is it about people's backgrounds that lead them to be particularly good advocates in the moment for things? So, you know, we see her on the floor of Congress talking about food stamps. Well, she was somebody who had a tough time in her life, needed to be on food stamps. We see her mention that she got a federal government loan to buy a house in Oakland when she was a single mother with two kids. You know, she understands the needs of the particularly black community for health care and breakfast programs that the Black Panthers started. So there's a way in which by having lived through sort of so many of these issues in her own life and felt the contradictions about whether or not she was going to be able to get help. You know, she really sees herself as a frontline fighter on behalf of all the other women coming behind her who need help. And her view is the government should be here to help you. Right. Not to make it impossible for you to raise your kids, not to make it impossible for you to hold a job because you don't have child care. You know, not to make it impossible for you to go to school because you can't afford the school loans. So all I can say is that, you know, her own personal background did a great deal to shape her Mm -hmm. and to shape you know, the kind of legislating that she is really committed to. It was interesting that she wasn't really willing in the beginning to talk about that, that she had been on food stamps and had, you know, subsidized housing or, you know, had had really benefited from the government programs. And so what changed her mind to finally... I think Lynn Woolsey says it in the film. Lynn said, Barbara, if, if we've been on welfare and we're not willing to say it in public and on the floor of Congress... Who will? Right. And that I think Barbara just did a you know a 180 at that point and just said, okay. They were at that point, I think, the two welfare moms. There are now others. You know, right. I mean, Cori Bush has been an amazing leader about being unhoused. and But Barbara, you know, she was, again, this whole thing about I'm private, I don't share my private life. She got over that pretty quickly. And Lynn Woolsey on the issue of being a welfare mother, I think, really helped her break out of the I can't talk about this box she was in. And she's been talking about it ever since. And because of the big uproar for good reason today about abortion, she and Pramila Jayapal and Cori Bush did an amazing, this was after the film was released, you know, public testimony in Congress about what it meant to get abortions and for Barbara when it was illegal in Mexico. That's not even in the film because I felt like that was kind of going a little too far. So I stayed away from that in the film knowing that if, I I mean, let me say, I I have her in the film talking about being a victim of domestic violence. Right, right. That has led to her being a big supporter of the Violence Against Women Acts, both in California and federally. The abortion story, although I knew it, I did not feel like I needed, you know, I don't, I didn't feel like I personally needed to put it in the film. I thought other things spoke for themselves. But I was so proud of her when she and Pramila Jayapal and Cori Bush testified in Congress because I knew how hard that was for her. Mm -hmm. That was her first kind of going public with this story. And the fact that all three of these women with three very different stories, you know, we're able to say, look, this is personal. It We've is. Been there. We know what it means. And each of us had a different reason for needing an abortion. And each of us would have had terrible consequences in our personal lives if we hadn't had one. So we don't, we've got to fight to keep this being a right for other, you know, American women. 
I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny. It's interesting. I think your film is so complete with so many wonderful things in it that that would have been just one more thing that might have taken away from the focus that you were trying to be, you know, that your film is definitely telling this particular story about her. Yet, there might be another film about that, another documentary. You know, I, yeah, that's funny that you sort of say that. I mean, it's like, I really feel like that, just that little clip, I mean, maybe if this goes up somewhere, we can, I can send you a clip and you can add it so people can watch this because I found that testimony so compelling. And, you know, my reaction over the last weeks and months in terms of what the Supreme Court has been doing is you should be ashamed of yourselves. I, I'm old enough to say that I was in college when abortion in New York State, I went to Cornell, so it was in New York State, went from being illegal to legal. But you still couldn't get an abortion in Ithaca, New York. You had to go to New York City. You had to know someone. First, you had to do a back alley abortion in New York City. And then it, as it became more legal, oh, you didn't. One did not know how to find them. And so we created a little group of people at Cornell that were essentially the referral agents. Right. Once it became legal in 1970 in New York. But if you lived in Illinois, as a new movie called The Janes points out, right, right. being done by non-professionals in hotel rooms. So yeah. the idea that this current Supreme Court has the gall to want to push women back into those days, it is appalling to me. I'm beyond angry about this. <laughs> So, you know, yes, there are going to be more movies. There are two fabulous movies made. One called Jane. Right. The dramatic version of right. what happened. And the other is The Janes. They both premiered at Sundance in the last week, and they're both fabulous. I've seen them both. Well, interesting, because I saw one called called The Janes a number of years ago, actually, at the Napa Film Festival. Is it the same one that's finally coming no, out? brand new. It's brand new. Brand okay. New. And they went and they found as many of The Janes, which was the name, you know, right. for this group of women in Chicago. They also found a guy who was not a doctor who was performing the abortion right. at that point. He said, I've had enough, I'm leaving. And he trained all the women how to do it. Right. So this was, I mean, the idea, you know, again, it's not the most complicated procedure, but if anything goes wrong, you can bleed out and die. Oh, yeah. So that's how desperate women are. I know. I, I was blessed. I had a very um, progressive mother. I used, to, I used to say liberal, that's got a bad connotation, but anyhow, but progressive. And um, she actually told me, when, you know, when I was in college, she said, and, and you know, I'll age myself too. It wasn't legal. And she said, if you ever find yourself pregnant, let me know and we'll make sure you have an abortion. And that wasn't, people weren't talking about that. You know, that was not something that, you know, particularly mothers (laughs) were telling their daughters, thank God I didn't have to do that. But the fact that she was supportive enough and felt that that was important, you know, so. Yes. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I had a similar mother, but anyway, the idea that we are going back there. Yes. Is, is just shocking to me. Yes. So, yes. Well, okay, well, we're done about the James. <laughs> Let's go back to Barbara. Really, her testimony was really moving. And, you know, and Barbara is a leader on so many important issues. So her own story around the abortions, one level of the story I tell in the film, which is about her work around HIV and understanding, you know, that the black... I mean, this is where Barbara's ahead of her time and ahead mm-hmm. of the curve. Mm-hmm. Barbara is aware of how things are impacting, particularly the African-American community, before anybody is talking about inequality or disproportionate impact or any of that. So back in the day, when everybody thought that HIV was a white gay male disease, Barbara was looking at the impact it was making and taking on black women and men. Right. And was able to do, you know, some work, as we show in the film with Keith Carson of the Alameda County Board of Supervisors, to declare it an emergency, a public health emergency in Alameda County. Now, if you're not 
paying attention to what's going on in your own district, you might have missed that. But Barbara doesn't miss those things. She's been a leader on disproportionate hiring of people of color in the tech industry and has been screaming about that for years. You know, eventually it's getting a little bit of attention, but she's been on this for way longer. So I just want to say that because she has her ear to the ground in her own community, here's another one, and it actually comes up in the film, which is the whole issue of business licenses for people of color in the cannabis business. The minute cannabis became legalized in California, big money came into it, and small little, you know, African-American mom and pop shops had a really tough time getting licenses. Well, that's something else Barbara's gone to the mat about. So I just, you know, I just want to say that, you know, what she brings to the table, I think, is so important. In terms of what I'm calling keeping her ear to the ground in her own community and what it reveals, she would say, about systemic racism in America. Yeah. You know, and so looking looking to her for leadership around some of these issues is really important because she's always out there before the issue is well known. And that's why she is who she is. <laughs> But it's, you know, but when you can do that for 24 years straight and not get exhausted by it. Right. You know, when you say to her, how are you optimistic and how do you still have hope and how do you still have energy? She's like, look, I'm a black woman in America. We've been fighting for over 400 years. You know, I I can't be tired. Right. You know, it's like there's no time for me to be tired because there are too many struggles still yet to be fought. And we need more people. Go ahead. No, I know. And as she says, you know, we need more, as you were, as you were about to say, we need more people. And she's kind of out there motivating the rest of us. Yes. And to speak up. I love it. Yeah, she's being a mentor for younger women coming up. And you show that in this film with um, so many wonderful people that you have in here. But, you know, we're running out of time shortly. But um, but it's so great that she is mentoring them and wanting uh, these younger women in particular, uh, but men also, uh, and encouraging them to, to run for office and get involved. Because the only way we're going to change things is if we do get involved. You know, um, Absolutely. And, and let me say, I started this film it, closer to 2016 before the 2018 election, which was a sea change election around people of color, you know, more women, certainly, but men as well. So she has been joined by a number of very progressive, energetic Congress people from all over the country. And so, it, you know, it, the Congress doesn't look like it did when I started this film. Um, it's interesting that you know, and and so I'm sort of encouraging people from whoever may be listening to this, you know, learn more about who your local congressperson is, because there are some up and coming bright lights: Ayanna Presley from Boston, Corey Bush from St. Louis, um, yes. Lauren Underwood from Illinois. You know, they're just a bunch of them. Teresa Fernandez um, uh, from New Mexico. You know, there are just some wonderful younger women who are taking on the mantle of leadership in Congress. And all I can say is, you know, may they keep following in Barbara Lee's footsteps and tra- as, as, and as Barbara looks back to help them, they look back to train the next generation coming forward. Exactly. And exactly. And that's what it's all about, passing the baton, you know, so everybody, you know, so we always have those kinds of people fighting for us through the years. Where Barbara, where can people see Barbara Lee speaking truth yes. to power? So there are several places that the film is and will be available. It is going to premiere on the Stars Network Wonderful. on February 1st at 8 p.m. 
Eastern time. So you have to check your local listings for when it'll be your mountain time or central time. Check your local listings. But STARS, S-T-A-R-Z network, February 1st is its broadcast date. It is also available right now um, for a few bucks on Amazon and iTunes. And you can access it there. Let me give a little shout out that we expect Barbara Lee to be on the Trevor Noah show on Monday night. Wonderful. So if you're a fan of Trevor Noah or yes. Barbara's, please tune in. Okay. Then some breaking news could bump her, but for the moment we expect her to be on there. And we're doing, we're still doing some film festival runs, but I would say for somebody who wants to see it, either watch it on Stars on February 1st or rent it on Amazon tomorrow. Wonderful. You, know, you don't have to wait. To do you don't have to wait. Well, thank you, Abby. You know yeah, just let me say this. You have to know the name of the film, and the name of the film is Barbara Lee Speaking Truth to Power because you have to do a search in Amazon to find it. Great. Thank you so much. It's a wonderful documentary. People, please seek it out. You'll you'll be inspired. And, and it's just, yeah, you're inspired on all different levels. And she's an amazing woman. And you did an amazing job with the film, Abby. So thank you for, so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you've missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can find us on my website, thejampriceshow.com, where all the shows are archived, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. The iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it, we are there. We're also on YouTube. Please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and like us. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies. 